0: Welcome to Energizing Tennessee, powered by the Tennessee Advanced Energy Business Council and First Bank. We're your number one podcast for news about Tennessee's advanced energy sector. I'm your host, Courtney Piper. If you haven't realized by now, I love talking about the growth of Tennessee's automotive sector. I've spoken with plenty of key automotive players in the state, from Ford's Blue Oval City to Team Tennessee. Today, we're Zooming out and speaking with Autos Drive America, an organization that advocates for open trade and investment policies that expand employment opportunities for Americans and choice for all consumers. I spoke with Jennifer Safavian, President and CEO, about the international automotive presence in Tennessee, how the Inflation Reduction Act and other recent federal policies impact the sector, and the organization's 2023 Economic Impact Report. Their report found international automakers built 413,746 vehicles in the volunteer state, creating more than 109,000 local jobs in Tennessee and contributing $15.7 billion to the state GSP. Keep listening to hear more about the report and other interesting insights about this growing part of our economy. And as always, if you like what you hear, subscribe to our channel and don't forget to leave a rating or review. It helps us reach a wider audience to champion Tennessee's advanced energy sector. Energizing Tennessee would not be possible without the support of TAEBC members and our sponsor, First Bank. To learn more about First Bank and how they can support you or your business, visit firstbankonline.com. Jennifer Safavian, President and Chief Executive Officer of Autos Drive America. Thanks for coming on the show. Oh, Thank you, Courtney, for having me. All right, first, Jennifer, tell our listeners a little bit about yourself.
1: Sure. So let's see. Born and raised in St. Louis, Missouri. Um, I went to law school in Michigan, a Michigan State University. Spent, spent a little time out there practicing law before I moved to the Washington, D.C. area, where I also practice law, but also kind of was bit by the, the the political bug as it is out here. And uh spent about 16, 17 years on Capitol Hill, actually. Um, and from there, um, once I left the, the hill, I, I started working in the tri- association space um, so this is my actual trade second trade association Autos Drive America um, and, I, and and it, it, we started in, in 2020 and I was the, the, the first um, president and CEO of the organization kind of helping it start from the ground up so it's been a pretty exciting time.
0: Excellent, and it's always nice to have somebody who's spent a little bit of time in Michigan on the show. I'm I'm from originally from Gross Point Woods, Michigan. I came to Tennessee to swim and go to school for the University of Tennessee. So it's always nice to have that little Michigander connection. So yes,
1: and I do go back to Michigan um, frequently, so to visit family.
0: Excellent, excellent. Okay, so for those unfamiliar with Autos Drive America, who are you, and what's your mission?
1: Yeah, no, that's a great question. So Autos Drive America, we're a trade association based here in Washington, DC. Uh, we represent international automakers uh, with US operations. Uh, so we really focus on, on what's happening here in the US with regard to our members. Um, and we focus on, uh, I mean, really, we advocate in front of like the federal government and sometimes of the state and local um, areas, but really focusing on the federal government side of things. And our purpose, our mission, is really to help continue to grow the US automotive industry make sure it remains competitive. Um, it's, a, it's a great industry here in the, in the U.S., um, but there's lots of competition. It's a global industry, so we're always very cognizant of what's happening a- around the world. Um, one of our biggest issues that we focus on here of our policy issues is trade. Actually, we're, we're always trying to push for um, more trade policy that allows us to export and sell more of the American-made vehicles my members make here in the U.S. Um, and we're also very cognizant. We want to make sure that there's a level playing field for all U.S. automakers here in the U.S.
0: Excellent. And, you know, we had um, our our former governor and our former state senator, Lamar Alexander, was the one who really championed and led foreign investment, um, foreign automakers and the investment in Tennessee, starting with Nissan. And, you know, from his leadership, we've had all of this just fantastic investment in the automotive industry as a whole, but he's really focused on investments from Japan, in particular in the automotive supply chain. So um, we we have... Lamar Alexander to thank for sort of bringing us together today. Mm I always love to give um, our former governor a little shout out there. So Jennifer, why do you do this work and what sparked your interest or what's kept you in the industry all these years?
1: Sure. So, you know, I will tell you, it was, first of all, it was an exciting time um, when they started, stood up this new organization, Autos Drive America. And it happened at a time when the, the two other auto associations um, just merged and became one uh, association. So they've got my members, the international automakers, as well as the Detroit automakers under that umbrella. But at that time, my members felt like they needed maybe their own voice. Um, and that's when they stood up Autos Drive America as a standalone organization. So I was, it was an exciting time just to, to kind of build something new. Um, um, unfortunately, we, we started in 2020 at, at the height of the pandemic. Oh. Uh, nobody could have predicted, of course, that when we started that we would all be shut down in um, a few months thereafter. And, and, of course, spend some time at home uh, thereafter. But but we, we got up and running nonetheless. Um, and, I, and I think it's been really important to, that the international automakers have a specific voice. Um, they have so much investment um, here in the U.S. And, and, with, and, and all that they do in the communities. And, of course, all the workers that they employ and, and the careers they provide, that I think it is really important that they they have an organization like Autos Drive America to help promote that and to help explain to policymakers just about their presence. I mean, they are a, across the entire United States. Um, and so it's, it's really important. Not to mention, I mean, these are fantastic brands uh, to be representing. My very first vehicle uh, when I got my driver's license was a Toyota. Um, so, you know, there's just there's just so many fabulous models um, that my members make for people to choose from.
0: And you all recently released a 2023 economic impact report. What were some of the highlights from that report, specifically when it comes to green manufacturing investments, workforce development, and green vehicle sales?
1: Yes, thank you for mentioning that. Every year we put out an economic impact report that highlights uh, the impact that international automakers and international dealers have in the United States. And so we work in conjunction with the the dealer side of this as well. And And you can find actually the entire Report on our website at autosdriveamerica.org, and it's just it got so much information in it. Um, broadly speaking, at a national level, and then by state. So there's information about each state and the impact that international automakers and dealers have on each state. So there's a lot of information in it. But with regard to your specific question about kind of the green manufacturing um, and you know and, and, and the workforce, you know there has been just so much with regard to the transition to electrification um, in, in this country by 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 all all the automakers but especially by my, by international automakers and i can say, tell you that they they have pledged 22 and a half billion towards green manufacturing um, just from 2020 um, to 2022 so in that short time span that's a lot of investment that's amazing it, it is it really is for this transition to electrification and and more are coming they continue to come more investments are being announced um, and there's more development happening um, even as we speak so you know they're all working towards this electrification it, it, it takes time, but they're all devoted and dedicated to it. And that's just on the investment side of things, of course, and and, and producing the models and and, and all of that. But on the workforce side, which is really key and critical, um, you know, they have been working to prepare their workforces for this transition to electrification. So they're, they're really working tirelessly to educate their workforces on electric vehicle production. Um, and they've had we're having a lot of success. And just to give some sp- some particulars with regard to Tennessee, for instance, Volkswagen in Chattanooga um, recently. They're a great example about how they retooled their assembly line for the EV production uh, and they've upskilled their, their team members to meet these challenges. And, you know, I think given how popular the ID4 is, I'd say that they've actually done a really good job in this whole transition.
0: Absolutely. Now, let's talk a little bit more about Tennessee and the international automotive presence that we have here. What do you think makes this state so ripe for automotive investment?
1: Yeah, there is so much happening in Tennessee. Um, it's it's really a, a fantastic story, um, it, you know, and it's 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 a good example of about really for the whole South Southern states, right? The southeastern states as a whole, to be honest with you. But I think for Tennessee in particular, um, some, of the, some of the factors that make it attractive, I think, are of course the reliable and affordable energy that helps keep production costs low for manufacturers. I mean, that's just really important. Uh, according to Department of, Educa- uh, Department of Energy data, excuse me, Tennessee has the fourth lowest industrial electricity cost in the nation. So it's around two cents per, per kilowatt hour, which is lower than the national average. Um, that may not seem like very much, but when you talk about think about how much energy actually is required for auto manufacturing, um, that's millions of dollars that can be saved. There's also uh, a Good good um, access to supply chains and resources, which of course is also really critical when you're producing vehicles. Um, good rail and road connections, um, as well as several large East Coast ports, which are nearby. So that's really important as well. You know, the the state of Tennessee has also been very good, um, a a good partner, I think, with with the automakers, providing appropriate facility sites, helping set up workforce development programs, which is really important. Um, And, you know, there's several top-tier universities, of course, in Tennessee um, that helps create that talent pipeline that is so necessary for for the automakers to be successful. Um, There's potential for research and development growth, um, like Volkswagen's North American Engineering and Planning Center and its Battery and Engineering Lab are located in Chattanooga. Um, and they've got an innovation hub in Knoxville. Uh, not to mention, they have recently um, uh, joined forces with the University of Tennessee in Knoxville to accelerate their research collaboration. So there's just so many opportunities, I think, um, that they have provided to automakers to make it a, a really great place to, to, to invest.
0: Absolutely. And I know we have done such a great job attracting manufacturing aspect of that. And you mentioned some of those investments from Volkswagen in the R&D space. And I think you will see a more intentional focus within the state on also attracting the R&D aspects Mm. from all the automakers um, to to Tennessee because we do have those top tier research assets that include Oak Ridge National Lab. So um, keep an eye on us for that, Jennifer. (laughs) more to come <laughs> <laughs> more to come can you speak to how the inflation reduction act and other recent federal policies are impacting the automotive sector
1: yeah sure so the inflation reduction act that's that's actually a big um, a big piece of legislation that passed um, uh, over a year ago and was signed into law and of course we in the auto industry um, have been um, anxiously waiting as, as guidance has been coming out um, slowly but surely with regard to how to implement all of that and it's really significant with regard to this transition Transition, um, to electrification because it in it has um, the opportunity for consumers to get um, up to seventy five hundred dollars um, rebate on electric vehicles, so to help help increase the electric vehicle. Um, uh, vehicles being sold to consumers, um, but you know, there's there's with it also though is a, a big component of that is also trying to get moving supply chains right and, and bringing those more back here to to either the U.S. or the North American region and really trying to get away from China. Um, so it's it's significant in a lot of different ways and, and for the auto industry. It, it, we've had to been work. We've had to work through this, um, to be honest with you. And things are not going to happen overnight. It's going to take some time. I think everybody agrees um, that we need to do more. You know, more locally, of course, more domestically. Um, but not everything can be done here in the United States. That, that's going to take time. For instance, the critical minerals that are so important to building these vehicles. You know, China has um, a, a, a very large lead on all of that, and almost a monopoly in some of the actual minerals that are needed. So it's not something we can find here, and we don't have production here in the United States. And even to start up a new mine could take seven to ten years. So uh, but we have to look to other sources um, as well, because part of the Inflation Reduction Act, um, at a certain point in time, um, any any materials, any critical minerals, um, or battery components that come from China can make a el- vehicle ineligible. To receive any of the credits. Um, so in the meantime, you know we are working, and the automakers are working to try to find other places where they can re- get, they can get these minerals. And I will say, I think the administration understands the difficulty in that. Um, again, this is not something that can happen overnight. It takes time. And so we've been working closely with the administration um, to help us just as they put these rules and this guidance together um, to understand kind of the barriers that exist to, to this transition. But I do think it is critical to, to and, and to help get um, consumers get more. Or these vehicles these electric vehicles on the road um, not to mention there's other production credits in there to get battery manufacturing in this country started so there's there's a lot of um, a lot of good that can come from it as well
0: absolutely now talk a little bit more about how international automakers are working to increase access to electric vehicle technologies you talked about some of the barriers but just a little bit more about what the international automakers are doing
1: to increase access to EVs yeah, sure. So, you know, they're introducing new models um, all the time, really focusing on what consumers, what families are looking for, um, and really, you know, trying to make them as, as affordable as they can. That which is why you'll see lots of different options, models, and 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 different price points out there. And so that is, I think, really important. There's a big education, um, I think, that needs to be done for consumers to understand. I think there's a lot of unknown, right, about this transition to electrification, and what it means to own um, an electric vehicle. And and I you know I'll tell you for myself when I when I test drove one I mean they're amazing to drive but you do immediately have that concern of how do I charge this thing? Where can I charge this thing? And so there is a lot of education that needs to be done, not to mention we need to build out the infrastructure um, in this country. And that's something that, of course, the government is in the process of doing. But so are my automakers, to be honest with you. They have also come, come forward and are uh, investing a lot of money to, to, uh, to produce and, and increase the number of these charging stations that we have around the country. And I think that that's really key for, um, for adoption. I think that you know when consumers are polled about this, I think their number one concern is, you know, just be, can I charge this thing? Can I go on a road trip? You know, and, and we're working towards that um, in the country. And so I, I think we will get there soon. And, and I think once, like I said, once I think a consumer drives an electric vehicle, um, it, it's hard not to, to really enjoy it because they're fun to drive
0: they are i've had the opportunity to drive several different models uh-huh. and they are they're just they're fun they're so yeah. different you know you get in the car and it's a little bit of a shock and then you just ease right into it it's You it's really do nice.
1: right yes and and then they're then they're modern and they're and they just got a lot of new things in them so it, like you said they're fun They
0: are. They are. Well, Jennifer Safavian, President and Chief Executive Officer of Autos Drive America, thanks for coming on the show. Tell our listeners where they can learn a little bit more about you and your work.
1: Wonderful. Thank you again for having me. This was a pleasure to talk to you about this. Again, you can learn more about Autos Drive America and my members if you just go to autosdriveamerica.org. You can find a lot more information on our website there.
0: Excellent. Easy enough. Thank you, Jennifer. Thank you. And that's our show. Thanks for tuning into Energizing Tennessee, powered by the Tennessee Advanced Energy Business Council and First Bank. We're glad to be your number one podcast for news about Tennessee's advanced energy sector. If you like what you heard, please share it with others or leave a rating and review. To catch the latest episodes, subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. And don't forget to follow TAEBC on social media or sign up for our newsletter to hear about our events or learn even more about Tennessee's growing advanced energy economy.